0: You're about to listen to A True Story Told Live, because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre, and me, Molly Naylor. Are you ready for your first speaker of the second half? Guess what, tonight we've got three, three of our speakers are teachers. Yeah, <laughs> just interesting, just a bit of a pattern. Um, so this is one of the, the third of our teachers. Um, so please welcome to the stage, Kate Freezer. <laughs> oh, I'm
1: going to take this off. Okay, uh, so uh, my story begins with a boy, as invariably some of the worst stories do. Um, back in 2009, I met a guy. Um, he was commonly known as Kibbs, that was his nickname. Uh, he was cool, wearing a leather jacket, charming, funny, and everything about him screamed player. And so, Somehow, I found myself in this uh, strange pattern uh, of him messaging me, uh, me going to meet him. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> after, after that, it'd go silent for a couple of weeks and I'd feel a little bit gutted. And uh, that went on for the best part about two years. And during that time, if I ever wanted to see him without it turning into a booty call... I realized I had to pretend to give a rat's ass about football. <laughs> and so I would go to the pub with him to watch his team Chelsea. And he would try and teach me a little bit about the rules. Um, I'd learn about the offside rule. I'd learn about 4-4-2 formation. I learned a lot about Drogba and why he was an amazing striker. Um, and over a little while, I actually then became a fan myself. And then skip forward a few years, somehow this guy convinced me, um, after we were in this friends with benefits kind of situation for a long time, uh, convinced me that he would make an excellent housemate. And then he moved in with me. And um, so during this time... There would be lovely moments. Sometimes we would sit and watch Chelsea together and it would all be great. Um, We'd eat pizza, drink beer. Um, Sometimes we would have some lovely tender moments just on the sofa. And then some nights it would be really heartbreaking because I would be laid in my bed. um, and It'd be two, three in the morning and I'd wonder whose bed he was sharing that night. Um, then, 2012 was Chelsea's year, um, and it was the year that we won the Champions League, and it was absolute euphoria in our household during that time. And Kibbs um, came home one day and said, um, Chelsea fans are putting on this trip uh, to go to the Super Cup. Now, the Super Cup is where the winners of the Champions League play the winners of the Europa League. And that particular year, it was Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid, I think it was. Um, See, I didn't really care that much. Um, (laughs) And they were playing in Monaco. And he said, we can go down to Monaco. There's going to be this trip where we can go and stay a couple of days in Nice. um, And then we go and watch the game. And it'd be great. Go during the summer holidays. It'd be a nice little holiday break. And I was like, excellent. In my brain at that time, I thought, south of France... With Kibbs, it's going to be a time for romance to blossom. And during that time, he's going to see me as girlfriend material, finally. Um, and I was just really excited about this opportunity. You may now be thinking, Chelsea, romance, do the two go together? Um, no, is the answer. <laughs> uh, very quickly, about five minutes after we'd settled on this coach that we took from uh, the football ground, Um Within five minutes of the coach moving down the Fulham Road, I realised my mistake as the whole bus begins to chant in this chorus, hammering on windows. (laughs) Na, 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 whoosh! And um, (laughs) that was what I endured for 24 hours, (laughs) trapped on this coach, moving the w- all the way down through England, through France, down to Nice and Monaco. Um, it, I realised very, very quickly that this was going to be an endurance test um, and I need to, in order for you to understand how hideous this is, I need to tell you a little bit about some of the characters that I shared this coach trip with. Uh, The front of the coach was monopolised by these people. I would imagine the best way to describe them is if the Bash Street kids had aged about 50 years. (laughs) Um, You had Badges, the ringleader of the group. Now, Badges was a man in his 50s, uh, had quite a lot of thick hair um, and wore a tracksuit and was Absolutely wasted before he'd even got on the bus, and so he was sort of stood there rocking. And, and the most interesting thing, actually, interesting no, the most annoying thing about badges is that he was a heavy smoker, and he had this hideous bubbling, gurgling cough that punctuated the journey. So every now and again, you just hear. Uh, next to Badges sat his friend, Babs. Um, Babs was uh, London's answer to Bet Lynch. She had this bust that came up to her throat. And it was the texture of orange peel and leather um, that had been blessed by the Costa del Sol. <laughs> and uh, she used to like to roam up and down the coach and see who's, uh, which men were around for her to stick this chest into and, and say, "Right, darling. Um, so that was them. They had some friends who just sat a little, um, little to the side of them and behind. Um, there was Phil. He was your classic neo-Nazi, um, <laughs> huge Chelsea fan. Who was? He had this sort of red complexion. He was constantly angry at everything, um, and he liked to bang on the windows a lot. And then next to him was his wife. Um, she, I can't remember her name. I think it's something like Jan. Uh, But the whole time, she just reminded me of one of the fat slags from Viz, so I was just like, fat slag, fat slag, that's all I could think of. Um, And then next to them, they had Kenny. Now, Kenny, I don't think Kenny realised where we were going and how long we were going for. He didn't bring any luggage. Um, He was a man in his late 60s, he he might have even been 70, at points I thought he wasn't going to survive the journey. Um, And and Kenny had brought no provisions with him at all and just pestered everyone else for drink the whole way through. Excuse me, excuse me, got a lager, excuse me. Um, And then behind them sat Stevie. And Stevie liked to rob things a lot, as we found out when we got to France. Uh, So these were the sort of perpetrators of my hell um, as we started. And and we moved through through London, down towards Dover. Unfortunately, we got caught in Dover for quite some time. There was heavy traffic. Um, And the chanting just went on and on. And I kept looking at Kibbs, thinking, what the hell have I got myself into here? We had a brief respite uh, from them while we were on the ferry, but that was just an opportunity for them to get more tanked up. Uh, When we got into France, um, it was quite dark by then, and the coach drivers were meandering through the Alps, and they're quite treacherous roads at times, and uh, to a chorus of... Celery, celery, and if she don't come, we'll tickle her bum with a lump of celery. Constantly. Um, nice, nice. Um, so that was that. So that, that's actually, as we're moving through. And I really thought, can they concentrate? Are we going to crash? Are we going to crash? Then we got to a garage. It was like the last stop before the, the long drive for the night. We got to this garage, and um, Stevie just started to steal anything inside. It was sandwiches initially, then cans, and then there was some strange kind of um, ornament of, of a bo- uh, motorcycle, and he, he thought he could try and get that under his jacket. Babs, meanwhile, was outside trying to use Kibbs's hand and her bust as a windshield to light her cigarette. Um, and then, then we got back on this coach... And the drinking continued and the chanting continued. And, and it's about three o'clock in the morning. It was punctuated sometimes by badgers who like to sort of prowl up and down the coach and go to the, have a fag in the toilet. Um, and then and then the noise was continuing. And then there was one point where the noise stopped briefly for someone to shout out, Kenny's pissed himself again. <laughs> and uh, And... Oh, it's honestly atrocious. Uh, and then I just remember it getting to about 3 o'clock in the morning, and the guy behind me starts getting really cross and starts shouting at Phil. And Phil, neo-Nazi here, thinks he's going to have a fight. And the man behind me is saying, it's all right, I'm a boxer, you can take me on. He's taking me on. And I'm sinking into my seat. Please, please don't get caught in the crossfire. Um, and then it got to about four o'clock in the morning and I'm, I'm losing the will to live. The music in my um, headphones is not drowning it out and I'm looking and there's badges and he sort of drains the last drop of his, his vodka. I'm like, finally, they're going to run out of alcohol now. They're going to they're going to quieten down. And just at that moment, he reaches up and grabs a bottle of JD from up at the top and off he goes again. And it, it, was, it was hideous. And at that point, I remember just looking to Kibbs and thinking and he just we had this shared moment of thinking this is hell and he just reached out and grabbed my hand and I've got to say that was a really touching moment for me. That was the most tender he'd ever been with me in, in all these years that we'd sort of spent time together. And at that point I felt quite comfortable and I lent my head on his shoulders and I sort of started to drift to sleep and and the noise that they were making sort of drowned out by this sort of tender moment. And finally I started to doze asleep only to be awoken by a presence next to my shoulder as I come face to crotch. Sorry, face to damp crotch with Kenny. <laughs> Excuse me, can you help me do my trousers up? It pissed himself again. So um, I sort of helped him in the way I could because I'm a teacher and I like to help the needy. And... Um, <laughs> Settled myself back down again. And then sometime between 5 and 7, they went quiet. I think the alcohol had just got to them and and they'd ran out. And we eventually arrived around 7 o'clock at an Irish pub in Nice. And um, I I don't know what happened to them after that. Um, We went to to the hotel, had a bit of a rest, and then it was time for the game. And we went to watch the game. Chelsea lost 4-0. What a kick in the teeth. Surprisingly... They didn't even make it to the game. They were so wasted. They fell asleep in their hotel and didn't even watch the game they'd come from in the first place. So uh, we had a bit of a nice time in Nice. And then um, the next day we were getting back on this coach and everyone was looking anxious. All the other passengers, we were looking really weary and panicked. And as we get on, uh, the the coach driver says, uh, don't worry, don't worry, they'll be quiet. I mean, like, seriously, we can't endure this. We've been even looking to see if we can get a flight home. We can't do another 24 hours with this. It was awful. He said, don't you worry. They'll be quiet. I said, how can you be sure? And he said, uh, well, when the uh, bald baby eventually fell asleep, it, the, the angry bald baby fell asleep, his wife crept forward a seat and gave Badgers a blowjob while husband was sleeping, and uh, he said, and we've caught it on CCTV, and he said, um, and we've said to to the two of them, uh, if anyone makes any noise, we're going to screen it to everyone on the coach, (laughs) so you keep your husband quiet, Uh, so as it went, uh, they were very, very quiet on the way home. And I I went home and I, I did not get the man of my dreams, but I did get a soundless, dreamless sleep.